0: Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and from KOSU, this is Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is Nashville musician Daniel Donato. You're listening to his song, Justice, off his latest record, A Young Man's Country. At 16 years old, he was the youngest person to ever play with the Don Kelly Band at the historic Roberts Western world, and then toured with musicians like Paul Coffin. This album was produced by Robin Ford and draws from Daniel's inspirations, such as The Grateful Dead and Outlaw Country stars like Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings. Here how he tries to combine all of those into his version of Cosmic Country. And the story about how he got into The Grateful Dead thanks to his high school history teacher.
1: He's giving it to me as if it's an assignment. And I go, okay? And they're all marked like Dick's Picks Volume 4.
0: All of that coming up next. I guess I'll just go ahead and start off with how I know about you. I think I'm like one of those people who is scrolling through guitar Instagram, which is sometimes just a sea of just mathy, jazzy guitar riffs. And then I think I saw one of your videos playing some like awesome phased out uh, country blues guitar. Uh, i just thought it was like really different from everything else so it was an immediate follow for me that's that's pretty much how i know about you
1: how long have you been playing guitar
0: oh uh very like (laughs) sporadically for like since high school probably so i think it's about five years i think i'm a little bit younger than you i'm 23 this year
1: okay man 23 was a was the was a big year of change for me um Every year's a big year of change for us in our time in this decade of our lives. But 23 was was big bookend year for me. Oh, how so? Well, that was the year that I, I broke up with my first girlfriend, my only girlfriend I've ever had. We were together for about four years. And um, it was right when I started doing Cosmic Country. And it was us breaking up that really showed me and pushed me to re- be my own artist and just basically just get, get on the road and do it. And that was the year that I learned that you should trust in just go ahead and start doing something before executing on what seems to be a perfect master plan, because there's no such thing. And you should just go ahead and just go and start failing faster and work longer and harder than everybody else. And then you'll learn and you'll find your own way. And the world will start giving you opportunities that you are deserving and asking of. And that's what immediately started happening for me. And I'm, I'm on that same vibe today even though that we're in the, the craziest time of humanity, probably in the past, you know, hundred plus years.
0: <laughs> before we get into kind of the more recent stuff that you've been doing, like before you started out, like going on your own, um, take me back real quick. You're in Nashville, Tennessee, as like an early teenage guitarist busking in the street, and somehow you start playing in a known, like kind of gigging band led by a veteran national musician, Don Kelly. And just playing in bars before you were even like old enough to drink.
1: Yeah, I was old enough. And it was um the reason why I got into that band was because I went and saw them every week for about three years and I gave Don my card every week. Um persistence always wins. Persistence wins. If if you're if your heart and soul is in the right place, persistence will win. And so yeah, after three years I got into the gig and uh I was the youngest guy to ever play that gig which is which is a huge honor.
0: what was it like trying to like balance school and but still playing like nights and at a bar
1: very hard very difficult but so i've uh I've always given it all like the music was the thing that I've always given it all to um but dude i mean i was doing we did four sets a night start at six forty five and on the nose at ten. And I would be doing homework in between sets on stage, doing, you know, I loved English and I loved history, so I remember reading about the civil rights movement with a piece of paper that was on top of my Fender Pro Reverb. So I was just working incessantly, and I, I work incessantly still to this day. Um, but back then it was much more easy because it was just like you have two things in life: you have to, you have to do do well in school, and then you have to do well in playing guitar and being a musician. Um, so I graduated with high school, I think with a 4.8 GPA, I was in several AP cl- honors classes. Um, and I was gigging four nights a week. So I, I don't know how I did it. I just, I really just worked incessantly, just worked all day.
0: What has it been like in Music City now with most of the bars and venues kind of shut down now for live performing? Is it weird like walking down?
1: Yeah, there's actually a video. I made a blog about it on my YouTube. Um, the owner of Robert's, uh, Jesse Lee Jones, he let me come into the bar and, and film a little and talk about it because it would it'd been the first time I'd ever seen it closed in the broad daylight since I'd been going there in two thousand nine. I'd never seen it close ever. Um, so you know, very strange, very sad, very sad, um, very hard, very difficult, and it's going to be a permanent change in the way that Nashville operates. But I feel like Nashville is actually going to come out of. Nashville is the best place to be in in the COVID-19 era of music while being a musician. It's There's no better place in the world to be living, in my opinion. How come? Uh, because real estate's cheap enough to where you can still make it happen, to where you can live here. Um, the industry is still here, and the industry is still growing, and it's a modern, it's a city, so it's the fact that it's very aware of modern trends. So there are you know, like the biggest pop song, uh one of the bigger pop songs of the year, low what was it like that song, low key fuck twenty twenty.
2: Low key fuck twenty twenty. Still sad, still ain't
3: got no money. I ain't on my wrist. I just did some shit I
1: gotta fix. That song came out of Nashville. Um, so there's a it, depending on what kind of musician you are, you can have a, a great pop career and still be here. Um the musician that I am, it's it's perfect for me because like my heroes all come from here. Aside from the Grateful Dead, um, the, all the record labels, all the publishing houses that supported those artists are actually still functioning today. Um, all the industries here, you can still live here, and all the contacts that you could ever ask for and opportunities in the world are here. And there's also a ma- a million a million artists in uh, musicians that are just as good as you that can help push you to that next level. Of, um, of talent and bringing it to the table. Um, and that'll never stop while you live in a place like Nashville. If I were to like, you know, move to a place like Montana, I might get a little, little full of myself, you know? So it's kind of good to be living in a city where everyone's super talented and on their game.
0: You've been uh, mentioning uh, this word or this term a few times now, cosmic country, your latest album is called a young man's country and the kind of musical banner you wave is this thing called cosmic country. How would you describe that sound?
1: Uh, so the, the Cosmic Country sound is a combination of jam band music with Outlaw Country. Um, so if you're a fan of Sturgis Simpson and Chris Stapleton and The Grateful Dead, you'll like Cosmic Country.
0: Is there a song on this latest album that is like a, a decent example of what Cosmic Country is to you and what you're trying to do with that?
1: Yeah. The way that I envision my records, um, I'm very aware of who listens to my records and it's it's people who like live shows and it's also people who like great songs um so the song justice is my favorite country song on the record and then my favorite cosmic song is meet me in dallas i have two songs that kind of complement both sides of the teeter totter if you will
0: uh let's dig into some of your musical influences which the, the first one you've already mentioned the grateful dead which is also super apparent if you listen to the to the record and seeing as you you cover fire on the mountain for this when did you get into them
1: I got into the Grateful Dead when I was, I think I was 17, 16, 17, and I was playing at Roberts and a teacher of mine, Mr. Ragland, he was a history teacher. I had two teachers that year that really showed me what doing a good job every day in life is. My dad's always shown me that, but showing up to work with a suit on, a positive attitude and a plan to get things done, that is real. And Mr. Raglan was one of those teachers. <laughs> Little did I know, Mr. Raglan was a deadhead. <laughs> no one would have thought that, that I uh, was a student. No one would have thought that. He came and saw me play Roberts one Wednesday night, and he came in through the back door. And so I never saw him. And so the next day in class, at around 8.15 a.m. once class was over, he goes, Donato, see me after class. <laughs> he was a very intense showman. You couldn't help but be entertained and, and take it in by the way that he would lead a lecture. And he had very well thought out PowerPoints that had humor. And it was like it was like a, it was like a late night routine, like a late night show routine, just a genius teacher. He gave me all these binders, about three binders. One that was very large and two, I'm saying 300 plus CDs in one. And the other ones that held about 100 CDs in each. So about 500 CDs. And he's giving it to me as if it's an assignment. And I go okay, and they're all marked like dicks Picks Volume Four, uh, Legion of Mary, um, JGB, you know, weird live from the cradle. And then I—that was my introduction into what is the live archive of the Grateful Dead. And um, I lost my mind because I was driving to from Spring Hill to Nashville every day, which is about a forty-five-minute drive go play and work in the city as a musician. And I would just listen to Grateful Dead CDs with nobody telling me what or how to listen to them uh, by. So again, no one was telling me what to do. I was just given this archive of music to dive in and have fun with. And it changed my mind. And that was kind of conceptually the birth of what Cosmic Country could be, at least in my mind. You can take country songs like Grateful Dead often did and improvise with them and tell the story in a different way that might relate to people who aren't necessarily huge country music fans.
0: So how do you take that kind of style of Jerry Garcia's and then make it your own since it is like so unique in that way?
1: I see. That's the thing is I like to not. I, and I always ask how and why, too. Like I have a podcast. And the more that I ask others how and why, and the more that I get asked how and why things happen, uh, creatively, I'm not really sure. Like why are you inspired by the people you're inspired by? You can like say why. Like I love Jerry's uh, Europe 72 tones where it's like a Stratocaster through a fender amp, and it's very clean. And that's what my rig was down at Roberts, except I was playing a Telecaster. But I always play a Fender guitar through a Fender amp very clean. So how do I take Jerry's style and turn it into my own? I think I just, I stay very inspired and I try to stay true to the source. I think in music, there's a source of genres that happen. Like um, the source right now in country music is like Luke Combs. And so, like moving forward, he's gonna be the source that inspires other distillations of of his body of work. The Grateful Dead are very much a source. Um, Hendrix is a source for a certain style of playing. Stevie drank a lot from that source and he became a source of his own. Um Jerry is a source, and so I just try to stay very um very studious of it and always aware of it and try to stay inspired of it. Well,
3: long and therefore Get up, get out Get your feet out the door
1: where i'm going now is i'm trying to write into that i'm actually trying to write music in that vein as opposed to just play guitar in that vein
0: yeah i've been kind of uh wondering like on your original compositions like where does the the songwriting usually start for you is it still kind of like a guitar affair starting off
1: usually yeah it's usually a guitar and an idea um i have all the hardware a decent amount of hardware here at the house where i could Definitely do great demos and come up with. Be inspired by you know using Splice, um, using Arcade, using plugins, using samples. Um, I could do all that, but usually the things that feel most real to me are a guitar and lyric. I think it's just kind of who I am as a person. It's always it's always been that way for me in my career. Uh, so I think that it makes sense that that's the case. Who knows what the future holds? But yeah, but right now it's usually an idea and a a life experience and a guitar.
0: Do you mind just going in like on a song, like meet me in Dallas or diamond in the rough? Like where did those kind of songs like kind of begin?
1: Those songs actually both began on the same tour. I was touring with Paul Cawthon. So when I, I was playing at Roberts for about 464 shows. (laughs) So about three, I think three years. I got fired and I went on tour with a lot of bands just to try to make money and. One of the la- last artists I ever toured with was, with was with Paul Coffin, who's a major hero to me. I needed to meet that man. Like, he taught me so much and so much. And, um, meet me in Dallas. We were driving back from one of our first gigs together, 23 and a half hours in the van. And I just had this idea of like, I was in this relationship at the time that was not working because it was long distance. I was always gone. I was miserable and i was always distracted from music because i wanted to be in love i i wasn't just willing to just be in love with music full time at the time i was just thinking of this like i wish you could just come meet me in dallas like we're driving 23 and a half hours you could just fly and meet me there because we had a couple days off in dallas hanging i just had this idea and the way that paul drives the van is so crazy you can't sleep You're just losing your mind. You're thinking you're going to die. He's texting, doing live streams while driving. It's fucking insane. So 23 and a half hours of this. I get out of the van. I take Paul's Gibson. And I go into one of the rooms at the Belmont Hotel. Room 41. um, And I write, "Me, me in Dallas. It just came out of me. And the ones that just come are the ones that somehow feel seated in a way deeper and more real place. And those are the songs that always go over well. I wrote it in about 30 minutes, sleep deprived. three of the biggest uh, playlists on Spotify uh, for the folk and acoustic spectrum across the entire planet. And we're we're doing it with no record label. Uh, Cosmic Country Music is the label that I started. Um, So again, I think it's people really love truth and people really love a story and people love individuality. Um, Because what's more beautiful than than an individual? That's like the most human thing ever is an individual. Um, I think so we all gravitate towards the person who can, who's trying to be an individual. I think that's why that song's resonating with people. So i mean, in the rough, took a while to write. Uh, but that idea also came on that same tour with Paul. I wrote it in Evanston, Illinois at a venue called Space. Fantastic venue. Cannot speak highly enough of that venue. Really just one of my favorite venues to play. Um, I wrote that song there. And I, I don't remember what it was that exactly inspired that song, aside from the guitar riff. down, down.
3: as I can think well, in my mind this load I'm bearing's been tearing me apart and through the heart, I can't seem to leave it behind if I must confess I've been running on the wrist, living on what lunch, keeping one on the clutch now I'll drive till I find what you stole in the night my love
1: I really love how Jerry Reed lets you know what kind of guitar player he is when you hear him play. Um, he really lets you know that it's Jerry Reed, and he can't help but let you know. And I love those artists. And so he really, Jerry, I try to put a little bit of Jerry Reed in everything I do. That's in the key of A. Uh, So whenever I'm playing in the key of A, Jerry Reed is up there playing some of those notes.
0: listening to Daniel Donato's song, Diamond in the Rough. Coming up next, we talk about music legends Graham Parsons, John Prine, and Waylon Jennings. That, after this break. I'm sure you've also read these same comments by, like, pretty hipster music historians about, like, Hey, Graham Parsons of the Flying Burrito Brothers is credited with cosmic American music.
2: You may be
3: sweet and nice But that won't keep you warm at night
0: cause I'm the one I was just wondering if that was something you were also aware of.
1: Extremely aware. I, I freaking love Graham Parsons. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Very aware of that. Um definitely not trying to say I started Cosmic Country by any means. Um, uh, but I'm definitely, I think I'm waving the flag for it in a way that is more 21st century.
0: Yeah, and I think people are just being kind of snarky when they leave that comment <laughs> on YouTube videos.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I love if I can evoke a reaction. One of my biggest heroes Bonam- Joe Bonamassa. Um You have, he always tells me, you have done your job if they love you or if they hate you. You have not done your job if they don't, if they don't remember you. So that's fine. You know, I'm absolutely for that. And if people, if I could be related to Graham Parsons in any conversation, I'm a happy camper. (laughs) Truly.
0: Yeah. And Graham Parsons is kind of that same individual where he had kind of a, Uh, love him or hate him kind of a relationship with most people. He has this quote. He says, I have some sort of rep for starting what has turned out to be pretty much a country rock plastic dry fuck. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. <sighs> That's so intense, man.
0: Okay, so at this point in your life, like, um, how old are you?
1: 25 years old.
0: At 25, you already had like a decade-long um Era of experience and playing but are there still things that you still feel like you're discovering and learning musically about yourself
1: i wish everybody could start something that is lucrative but also creatively inspiring at the age of 14 because you realize that you own the the chasm of learning is endless i really like don't know much Is really i try to say i know nothing um there's a great saying, you know, those who speak no, those who speak do not know; those who do not speak know. And so, I really try to approach each day as day one, really, with music. Truly, um, yeah. Ten years has only taught me that I, I. In another ten years, I'll probably be even more confused. Uh,
0: I feel like um, anybody who is looking at you from the outside must see, like, you know, this this guy who has like all these technical chops what else is there to like really discover uh with music um like I think most aspirations are always just about like yeah I want to shred I want to be able to like go up and down the neck like as fast as possible and make it sound good are you still able to like kind of practice guitar like kind of endlessly like that when you first start picking it up
1: yeah I yeah absolutely I can um my uh my goals are different now my goals are much more adult, <laughs> but that kid that still plays guitar is the kid that still plays guitar whenever I'm playing. Um, but so there's a great there's a great example of um, uh, I think her uh, something Duck Angela Duckworth. She wrote a book called Grit, and she talks about what talent is. That um, I definitely had a talent at, at guitar, but if you combine talent with effort, you turn it into a skill. And if you then take your skill and you combine it with effort, you then create opportunity. And so I'm trying to take my skill now and create opportunity with it. So I'm, I'm not as focused on crafting a skill as I once was, as I am focused on crafting opportunities from the skill. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other like tracks on there. Um, because besides like the grateful dead cover, uh, you did like a cover of a Waylon Jennings song, uh, a John Prine song. I'm assuming these are also other influences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to tell people um, a lot of artists are like, i want to have the best 10 songs that describe me. It's going to be a mixtape, it's going to be the best record ever. It's like, I'd rather, I would much rather tell people a story of who I am by playing some songs that we probably both love. You, the listener and then me, um, and then telling you who I am by playing those songs in my own way. Um, it's easier to communicate that way. Um, it's easier to swallow a song that you already know than it is a song you don't. And that's that's a proven fact.
3: I am an old woman named after my mother. My old man is another child that's grown old. Dreams were lightning and thunder were desire. This old house would have burnt down a long time ago. Make me an angel
1: the flies
2: from Montgomery.
1: And then I also, uh, just from a, not in a way that's slimy, but from a marketing sense, the proximity effect is real. Um, in the era that we're in in the way that Spotify Apple music works, we're in the age of collaboration. And so if you can get your name next to people who are heroes of yours and you can do honest work and you do it for a persistent amount of time, you will then be those heroes to other people.
3: When I was a young girl, when I had me a cowboy, more much to look at. Just a free ram man.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and I think country music especially is like a genre that allows that flexibility. Hip hop isn't like a genre where I can go out and like cover like a hip hop song. I I can remix it, but like that's totally different than you like actually just like, you know, playing a, a Waylon Jennings composition.
1: The energy of collaboration it manifests in different mediums and throughout all works of art, right? And so, you know, infamously 36 writers or so on Mode" by Travis Scott off World. Like, what the hell? 36 writers? That's insane. Um, That's very collaborative. In uh, country music, if you look at the song, like, Crazy Arms, written by Ralph Mooney, one of the Wayland's pedal steel player from 71 to 86, it's like, um, that song stayed number one for five months. There was only five songs in all the 1900s that did that total. That was the only country song that did it. uh, Cut over 30 times by different country artists. And it was very much, the fans love that. The fans love a song. They don't really care if you wrote it or not. We love the song. And I, I didn't, that's something I learned recently and I did not think was the case uh, even just when I first started embarking on the Cosmic Country endeavor, um, there's this weird sense of communal pride where people think you got to write the best song ever, um, for, for you to release something in the world. But I, I don't think that's like really what people are listening for. Um, they're listening for something they love and if it's something they've already heard and you can do it at a, at a quality that you believe in, I think that's a great, it's a great thing to put out into the world.
0: Was there anything that you were trying to balance when you were, like, covering these songs? Like, how similar or, like, how much of myself do I want to, like, kind of change up to cover these songs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I try to make the songs do what I want them to do. Um, So how would I play this song if I wrote this song? And, you know, I love pop music in the sense of um, it's very effective for the mood. Um, makes you want to move and makes you want to dance. So like the way that Angel from Montgomery manifested. Very much that New Orleans shuffle, that bot. It's like, it totally puts a different perspective on the song.
3: I am an old woman named after my mother.
1: And it's something musically that I would have came up with that maybe you know somebody who is a very strong singer-songwriter but doesn't have a strong harmonic knowledge of how to work the Rubik's Cube of music um, wouldn't do Uh, so I'll flex it that way and I'll bring value to the table that way Uh, Fire on the Mountain, I combined that with one of my songs, Meet Me in Dallas, um, to create an 18-minute, 49-second cosmic country trip. Um, so I'm using that song as a as a as a block for that as a message for a whole statement for the record. Um so yeah, in living long like this there's just no other guitar player playing that kind of telecaster stuff right now. and I needed to put that out into the world because that's what I do. That's like my, that's my skill. Again, that's the talent and effort combined turned into a skill. That is Daniel Donato, is that guitar solo. That's Daniel Donato at 25. You know, Daniel Donato at 40 is probably gonna be a different guy. Uh, But at 25, that last song, that is Daniel Donato. and I
3: found.
0: Find out more about Daniel Donato at kosu.org. There you can also find the list of all the music that was played in this episode. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU in the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa.
1: Downbeat. You can hear that was kicking. That's Robin Ford, (laughs) who produced the record. So when you when you finish tracking a song, you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to take the acoustic guitar. You're not supposed to say a chords ringing out, a cymbals ringing out. Let it ring out. If the song's not a hard stop, let it ring out until the engineer says cut, or the engineer says that's a take. You know. But Robin was so enthused by the energy of that performance, he went to the talk back from the mixing room and said, that was really kicking. <laughs> and we realized listening back, it's like, that's actually part of the song, is the fact that it elicits that much energy to somebody who's listening to it.